This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for, oh my gosh, Saturday, November 27th, 2021. And uh, happy belated Thanksgiving to everybody in the uh, United States of America. Dornall, how was your week? Happy Thanksgiving. Fantastic. What can I say? Actually, how was my month? Uh, since we last spoke, I have moved into a new place. And while preparing the new place to host Thanksgiving dinner, promptly a, got a cold. A vast and capacious new place by the standards of Washington. By the standards of Washington. Uh, we, got a, we got a good deal. Uh, the, the, uh, previous owners just had to get out of the state. And so, uh, I gained a, a nice little house just far enough away from Seattle that I can keep my sanity. Uh, but it's great. Uh, I've just been miserable with a cold for the past two weeks, <clears throat> which made moving in and Thanksgiving preparation and even wanting to do the show quite a challenge, but. I'm on the mend now. Okay, I've got to remember how to do this. I've got like my phone and my iPad and and my earplugs, and I've got to remember when I want to mute myself, which button I have to push. Okay, I'm cool. We did not have any technical problems on the air. We just had technical problems getting access to some stuff before the show. So we got those out of the way, hopefully. Yeah, we should have anything, should I? No, it's 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 a jinx. I mean, do not tempt fate. Uh, but here we are. That's so, how I keep my life interesting. Whenever I think everything's going okay, I go ahead and tempt fate. <laughs> um, my Thanksgiving, uh, I don't know about my whole week, but my Thanksgiving was great because uh, large portions of my family were able to get together. Um, I had one sister who couldn't come because she was... Uh, in new orleans watching a saints game live not like on tv physically sitting in the stadium so very nice she skipped out on the family um but a lot of the rest of us got together uh you know had some typical thanksgiving stuff uh a lot of thanksgiving stuff and uh buffets and buffets. I've got six sisters. I may not have mentioned this, or I may have, but they all made different stuff. So, you know, it's a huge potluck dinner. Plus my mom made stuff and my aunt made stuff and uh, friends who came over and visited made stuff. So we had a wide variety of choices as far as food goes. Um, One of the things that my grandma did well, and they passed the uh, recipe along to my aunt, she does well, is make fresh homemade rolls. Oh yes. So let me tell you, you take and, and then they take uh you know butter the top so they get brown and and sometimes they even put like sesame seeds on top and stuff and uh, that's that's just all good. So what I like to do, uh, maybe not for the main meal, but like for that late afternoon kind of you know second grab at the apple thing. Um, Open it up, put a little bit of ham and some cheese and stuff inside it, make a little sandwich. Um, oh, it's it's just great. And the smaller the roll is, you know, 
the the crispier it all is around the crust and i'm i'm a big fan of of those crispy rolls uh because they're nice and soft inside but crispy on the crust and it's just good so in addition to being able to see family i haven't seen in a long time um and hanging out with them and talking with them and everything uh i i physically uh, and this is not a segue because there were some other things we wanted to talk about first, but I, I have to mention this because it was eerie almost because uh, I didn't understand the sensation when it first happened. I didn't know why I was feeling so weird. Um, I was just feeling kind of weirded out. I'm like, what is what is going on? Why am I feeling so odd? Um, but we physically uh, left the house and went to a movie theater like an actual building dedicated only to showing movies and it sounds sounds like a fantastic story from a bygone age <laughs> i know right and i wasn't wearing a mask what and they didn't stop us when we went in the building Oh. And all these other people in the building weren't wearing masks either. And we just went into the building and watched a movie. I I don't understand. <laughs> and I was on my way out and I was like, why do I feel so weird? I'm not making this up. This sounds like I'm making it up, like I'm trying to make a point or something. I literally was just standing there and I remember you know, feeling really strange. And then I finally figured it out. This is like the first normal human thing I've done in eight months. That's an exact figure, eight months since, since mid-March. This is the first normal human thing I've done where we just went someplace we didn't have to worry about whatever. We went and watched the movie. And just sat there and watched a movie. Wow. Now, there were 35 minutes of freaking commercials before the movie, and that kind of ticked me off. Holy cow. But 35 minutes. 35 minutes. Is that how they're, they're keeping the lights on these days? Well, I, I guess they have to, because apparently they've been shut down for two years, the movie theaters and stuff. Yeah. And they've been struggling, so... I mean, I don't know, but still, thirty-five minutes is a hell of a long time. That is that That's is not an optimal, time. not an optimal viewing experience. I'm going to use my new, uh, my new favorite way of measuring time. That's almost two Cowboy Bebop episodes, and I mean the anime. Because I started watching that, uh, the anime, not the Netflix series. Um, uh, I only watched the first episode so far. Because I had some other things get involved between me and watching the rest of them, um, but yeah, uh, you know, it was like twenty-two, twenty-four minutes, I think. So, uh, yeah, that was that was like one and a half episodes of Cowboy Bebop, just sitting there waiting for the movie to begin. So yeah, by the way, the movie we saw was was Ghostbusters Afterlife. So we're going to talk about that uh later on in the show um 
but it was good. It was nice. And it's, it's a family tradition that, that started literally like 20 some odd years ago, 30 years ago. Um, cause we have kind of a grouping of, of the kids. There's like the four oldest kids and then there's this, uh, gap of years and then, then the youngest kids. And we had a tradition where the four oldest kids on Thanksgiving went out and watched a movie together because the youngest kids are too young to go. Um, and then for a while it was, it was just everybody, all the kids went and watched a movie and then, you know, spouses came, but then they started getting their kids. Right. And so all the girls dropped away. So it became just the brothers, right? So it was me and my two brothers. Uh, and that's the tradition now is on Thanksgiving, when we get together, me and my two brothers go out and we see a movie. Um, so once a year, uh, you know, we go and hang out and see a movie and it, it's just awesome. You just spend some time with your brother. Um, and uh, we've been doing this tradition for like, I didn't realize how long it was, but it started in the nineties and it's, it's just awesome. It's oh, that's great. Keep, keep contact with your family. And, you know, this year they threw it in my lap. They're like, well, uh, we want to see Dune or Ghostbusters and, uh, and it's up to you. And this was literally my thought process. Well, I've seen Dune twice already. And if I watch Ghostbusters, I can talk about it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt so bad. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not even true. I can't even say I felt so bad. I felt like a little bit bad, like a tiny little flicker of bad. And then I said, why don't we go see Ghostbusters? It's okay. So I can talk about it on this show. <laughs> I didn't even say that last part. I just thought it. Because <laughs> I'm using a 30-year-old family tradition to get ready for this show. Hey. Well, there's only so many movies to choose from, so yeah, it's it's does not that make like me a bad person. I don't think it does. <laughs> uh, I I'm just glad uh, you guys all had a great time. I love my family. I've got a great family, and it's a really really. I'm glad I'm able to see them because there was a long period of time this year I wasn't able to see any of my family. Um, for various reasons. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was my week. Um, came into a tiny bit of money this week. So I got a new, uh, iPad and it's a beast. It's a monster. Very much appreciated. It, uh, it alleviates a lot of the problems I had with my old iPad. First off, my old iPad was three years old. Um, uh, and it works fine. It, there's actually no technical problems with it whatsoever. It's just, um, if there were an American society for the prevention of cruelty to computers, um, they would hire bounty hunters to bring me in dead or alive. <laughs> I, I am one of those edge cases that runs computers ragged that I will upgrade a system to the maximum available, um, specs 
And people will say, oh, you, you, you don't need that. You can buy a computer that's much less beefy and I will nod at them and then go home and, and run the computer ragged because of my use case. A very, very cornered, you know, use case. Very unusual for people. Um, I have a, iOS has a notes app, right? That syncs to the cloud and also syncs to all your iOS devices. And the notes app is for taking notes, right? You're supposed to have five, 600 notes in there at maximum. That's like a heavy user, someone who is unusually busy sticking things in there. Most people probably have maybe 50, 60 little notes and, and, and that's what they're supposed to have. And I have literally, no, no lie, 13,600 notes in my iOS notes app. Oh, how do you keep track of them all? Uh, I created a very smart folder system when I was starting to keep notes. <laughs> very highly organized. Uh, and that many notes brings the whole OS to its knees. It brutalizes the iPad is what it does. Um, and the only reason why uh, I, I discovered lots of fun little bugs in the system. I discovered memory leaks, huge memory leaks. I discovered problems with pages in and pages out from memory. Um, just like switching apps is really slow. Um, you know, the web browser, even when the app's in the background and it's supposed to be written to storage um, and not using any RAM, everything runs slow because uh, it's using up all your storage. So, yeah, I ran that computer into the ground uh, and, and continually. It, it has uh, like three gigabytes of RAM and it, it, it has, uh, I think, 512 megabytes of actual internal drive space that might be reversed uh i have to double check anyways um but i ran it into the ground because i just the notes app took down the system i just couldn't run it uh so i bought this new ipad it's one of the new ipad pros they introduced earlier this year um it's got two terabytes of internal flash storage. Two terabytes. My goodness. Um, it's got 16 gigabytes of RAM. And it's got a desktop class processor on it. Not as, uh, missing a couple of cores from the actual desktop processors they're using, but it's got a desktop class processor in it. Um, and it's a beast. It's just chewing up that uh, that notes uh, database. It's an SQL. I don't know if it's SQL or SQL Lite. I think I've talked about it before, but yeah, I can now use my uh, iPad again. <laughs> my, that's amazing. Actually, just hearing the specs of that computer, I've got my old desktop that I usually do the geek gab from. I, I lost my power supply unit. A couple of things got frayed and a couple of other things got melted. So we're going to, we're going to replace that, but the rest oh, of the computer's yeah. fine. But I, I tell you picture. what, yeah. Oh, I wish I had it here so that I could show it on YouTube for everyone. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. I 
the insulation was uh, destroyed, and so I had wires just burning plastic. First time ever in my life, achievement unlocked, smoke billowing from the tower. Uh, uh, I, I was a bit perplexed. So listening to those I've got specs, uh, listening to those specs, I can't believe that your iPads actually, uh, other than the the smaller processor, I, I think your iPad's stronger than my normal gaming machine, which that's not a fair, that's not a fair label. I, the gaming I do is mostly uh, retro emulators and slay the spire. So I don't actually need a powerful machine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Melted. I found two bare copper wires after I opened up the machine and it was, uh, I don't know how the insulation got stripped, but it was just melting the other, the insulation on the other wires. And there, there's like this little plastic mesh casing, you know, for the, to keep the cables together. And it just, it's just melting all the plastic. I'm glad the damage was limited to just the PSU cables, the, the power supply cables. Uh, Cause I mean, of course, the motherboards are right there. It could have done some serious damage to the whole machine. Uh, looks like... Question. No, I, I have that picture. I'm just trying to figure out how we can put it on screen. <laughs> uh, do, you have the, do you have the share button in StreamYard? Because I think you're just a, a, a guest. No, I do not have the share button. It's unfortunate. Well, if if oh, we had if we had time, you could link it to me, and then I could put it up. But uh, that sounds complicated. That that sounds like it'll take. By the time we get that, we're we'll have moved on. Yeah. Um, All right. It looks like looks like the word has gotten out. Our live chat is super lively. How about we take a break and say hi to everybody? Okay. Uh, uh, Ardenon just showed up. Ardenon just showed up. Hey, man. Good to see you, Emmett. Fitzhume is back. He was here at the beginning. He and Rawl know what's up. Sven Sorensen, hey, how are you doing? Hey, hi, Judd Goswick. Jackson Anderson, guten Tag. Uh, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, this, this, I'm so happy. Fiona Wolf made it. And who else? John Dacre, Mixed GM. Uh, back in action. Uh, just a little side note for role-playing geeks. If you have been... Keeping up with the Bro SR folks on Twitter and on their blogs, uh, nothing. There's been no new crazy actions in Trollopolis, but those guys are still going strong. John Dacre, mixed GM. I think that's I mixed they burned GM. Down the city. They burnt. Oh yeah. Oh, that happened. <laughs> that happened before, and I think I mean, Macho. Other Macho, than burning down the city. Other than burning down the city. Uh, yeah, they've got uh, well, because that's another story that I don't think we talked about when we talked to Jeffer, because we talked about Trollopolis. But there's a there's another Brosar guy, B Dubs. Uh, he's running an Adventure Conqueror King system game, and apparently he had the. If you think about the Keep on the Borderlands module, he actually played out. Well, what if what if all the monsters just gathered all their forces and attacked the Keep at the same time? You know, could the Keep defend itself? Uh, the answer is no. No. <laughs> Not even a little bit. <laughs> so uh, 
but all, the blogs are lively. People are, are taking that Jeff Rogaxian timekeeping and run with it. Um, Sven Sorensen, did we say hi to him? Yeah. Say hi again. Whatever. Okay. Let's make sure we didn't miss anybody. Glad to have everybody, uh, everybody here. Oh, yeah. See, this is why the keep didn't survive, because Mixed GM was one of the guys on the monster side who helped destroy the keep. See, that's the problem. Uh, even if you take a, even if you take a really smart, you know, experienced game master who knows the rules in and out, and you give him the whole monster armor and he makes an attack, you know, two heads are still better than one. And so when you get actual players playing both sides, the who knows what's going to happen. Uh, okay. My favorite, my favorite story from the whole thing. Okay. I do have to relate this. Uh, this came out of B-Dub's blog, and I should probably find the link just so that anybody listening could uh, could listen to it. But one of the player characters, or one of the players was playing a thief, and during the battle, instead of joining the defense of the keep or whatever, doing something dastardly to help the keep fall, he just jumped in and looted as much of the keep's treasure as he could during the battle. It, it was just a big distraction for him. And, and while everybody was busy defending the keep, he looted like half half the module's treasure and ran off with it. Like level gained two levels over the next couple of months. Uh, the the link to to the blog on B Dub's game. And B Dubs is, is one of the other big guys who does that. That's B Dubs and Dragons.blogspot.com. I'll try to remember to put a link to that later if you're if you're listening to this later on YouTube. Uh, All right. Yeah. Anyway, I, I've got some some administrivia here. I promised everybody that I would watch Dune so we could review it, and I did watch it, and we're going to review it. So even though Dune's been out for a while now, and you're going to be wondering, hey, why are they got Dune up? Everybody's seen Dune already. I, it's because I made a promise, and by golly, we're going to live up to my promises. And I also watched the other Dune from uh, 1984 um, with Kyle McLaughlin and you know Patrick Stewart and uh, all those other folks, so I could uh, uh, Jurgen Prock now. Um, so I can talk about both those dunes. And and I even briefly thought about looking at the sci-fi channel dune, but I had no idea where I could even find that. So uh, I, I went above and beyond so we could talk about dune. Oh, for the well future, done. Um, for the future, I'm going to be watching Wheel of Time so we can review that. And I'm going to be watching the Cowboy Bebop anime. Now you're going to be thinking, oh, well, that's that. Of course he is, because he's going to be watching Cowboy Bebop the live action to review it. And I'm just going to tell you, folks, I I think I'm reaching my edge of what I'm willing to watch to review. <laughs> I I'm not even kidding. Every single picture, every single clip I've seen from this show. It's just lied there like a dead fish. It's not even that I'm filled with revulsion. It just, it's just there. It's just lied there. It hasn't moved me. It's just pointless. 
the only clip that even evoked any emotion in me is uh, where Spike is lying on the ground and the hacker is screaming at him. And that just evoked uh, truly cosmic levels of annoyance. Um, uh-huh. It, it, I just, I don't want to watch this show. That doesn't mean I won't end up watching it. Because oh. I have found out that just because I don't want to watch the show doesn't mean I won't end up watching it at some point for this, for this show. Well, but I hope man, you don't. I hope you don't, because I have the same reaction to every image I've seen. I, I, I am not promising to watch the Netflix Cowboy Bebop and review it. I'm absolutely not promising that. But I am going to watch the anime, because I haven't seen it before. I've never seen the show. I've seen the movie with the butterflies and, and, and I think the Eiffel Tower. Uh, but I haven't seen the show. I, I saw, I've watched the first episode, and I will tell you this. I did a good pocket review on Twitter, and I, really I should just quote that. Because that was while the episode is fresh. I love the show. I love the action in the show. Um, the animation was cool. Uh, I loved the set pieces they did. I loved how they had really interesting and varied characters who uh, who were quickly sketched in. It didn't take you a long time to figure out who each character was, you know? Um, Asimov, that was the big, the bad guy, right? In the first episode, it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen the episode, so you have to forgive me. And I've only seen it once. Uh, Asimov was the bad guy. You got who he was right off. Uh, the other kind of bad guy, uh, you got who, who she was. Um, and, and, and even though she was playing a part, right? She was pretending to be something else. Uh, you got who she was pretending to be. And then when that facade kind of crumbled, you immediately understood what was going on. It, they just did a great job. All I'm saying is it was a skillfully done anime and I very much enjoyed it. I loved the action. Um, it appealed to me. Um, and I've never seen this before. This is not like, oh yeah, I used to watch it in the nineties. So I've got this strong nostalgia attachment to it. It's just, and I don't watch a ton of anime. So it's not like I'm super attached to the art form either. This is a really good show, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to watching the other episodes and discussing them, uh, or at least talking about them on the show and, and probably on Twitter too. So, yeah, very enjoyable, uh, well worth the time, and uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. So hey, I, I guess that's a pocket review of the first episode. I should I should join you for that. What service is it on? Um, I think I watched mine on Tubi. Tubi. It's free. Okay. Sounds good. Um, but if if you have access to the Apple TV app, you can do a search for anything and scroll down to the bottom and it'll tell you where it's streaming at. Oh, even on on any streaming service? Any streaming service. It'll tell you, oh, yeah, it's available on HBO. It's available on whatever. Oh, cool. Um, I so, happen to know someone with the Apple TV service. I may be able to take advantage of this. Uh, All right. Yeah, that, that's just real handy, too. Because uh, how often do you say, oh, hey, I kind of want to watch this movie. Who owns the rights to that movie this week? This week, yeah, seriously. Uh, like I was watching um, Buck Rogers 
and it switched streaming services from Tubi, and I couldn't find it. Turns out it's on IMC Plus, the International Movie Channel. I've never even heard of that. I'm like, okay, so I want to watch Buck Rogers. I have to go to the International Movie Channel. What the hell? Yeah, everybody's was, trying to it, get their piece of that pie. But I, I didn't have to pay for it. It was free on their channel. It was just, you know, I wouldn't have found that out if it weren't for the Apple Plus app. So, anyways, well, you don't have to pay for an Apple Plus subscription to get that. That's just in the app. I'm not trying to pimp that to you and say pay money. You, you don't have to pay money. You just have to. It's good because one of the things I like to do least is, is pay, pay money. money. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, unless it's for a new iPad, in which case I was saved, literally saved. Um, so, Free Guy. Got three movies to talk about. Free Guy, Dune, and then uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which came out this last week. I watched Free Guy. I paid money for that. <laughs> oh, boy. I didn't buy it for full price which is 20 bucks that's what they're expecting you to pay now for movies when they come out <laughs> um, you don't you don't have to hate spending money to laugh at that price point yeah i i just it was on sale for 9.99 and that's a little that's a little pricey i i, I kind of grimace at that but at the same time You know, that phrase entered into my mind. That same phrase that heralds so many questionable decisions in my life recently. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? No, 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 no. Well, if I buy it, I could watch it for the show. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not even one of those rich YouTubers who gets reimbursed for that you should try you should try <laughs> so i bought it um and i watched it um and it's an amusing uh it, it's a light-hearted watch it's a fluffy little um what are those chicks is that what they're called chicks the little fluffy marshmallow thingies uh, let's go with that yes i have no idea you know the the little things you you get on um on easter the fluffy marshmallow stuff the they're peeps. yellow and peeps yes yeah. it, it, it's a cinematic equivalent of a peep it's not bad it's a nice fluffy thing that's inoffensive and it's kind of fun um and that's it. <laughs> and everybody in the chat's got your back too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Peeps. Um, that reminds me. That reminds me of a meme. What is, what is the best way to eat peeps? Or you know, what what is the best way to enjoy peeps? Put them in the trash. Peeps are terrible. <laughs> Actually, that reminds me of a different meme we were talking about on Twitter yesterday, which was. The easiest way to get the right answer on the internet is to post the wrong answer. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. It's got light humor. Most of the jokes hit. Um, it's sentimental. 
it's kind of like what uh what uh ready player one had been if it wasn't crap and if it instead of depending heavily on in jokes and nostalgia and every single frame being a reference if it dialed it down to like one big reference and two or three small ones because don't the, you imagine that uh, well i i i didn't subject myself to ready player one but but it just just to put my oh, mind yeah. in the right context uh, free guys about a basically a character in a for lack of a better word like an mmo like a, a persistent world game who and a grand theft auto online grand theft auto online there you go perfect the npc in grand theft auto online that's how they started writing the script actually and they had to change enough of it so they couldn't get sued by rockstar but that's literally how they started the script there you go and so and so he's the so he's that's the protagonist the because he sort of becomes becomes self-aware yeah, and, and he starts doing some other stuff. But the thing is, the self-aware thing isn't magic. It's not magical realism. There's literally, and this is the thing that I liked about it, is the people who wrote it actually had, and, and hold on to your seats here, folks, they actually had a plot in mind. And there's actually layers of a solution as to why this NPC in a general sense, there's a general reason why this NPC woke up. And in a specific sense, there's a specific reason why this one specific NPC woke up. There is a mystery that they don't poke at or prod at or throw in your face or spend the whole movie trying to unravel. But if you pay attention to it, it gets paid off by the end. It makes sense. They bothered to put together a movie that makes sense. It's internally coherent. And if you pay attention to how people do things when they build 3D levels in games, like I've been watching some of those YouTube games uh, or YouTube videos where they go and show you Okay, so here's the real setup on how this level actually works and how they limit the camera to where what you see is completely different to what they really modeled in the 3D world. Everything makes even more sense. So the more you know about how 3D modelers build levels, the more it makes sense. Um, and I was actually impressed that they bothered to do what so few people do nowadays, which is think it through. They thought it through. So yes, the writing and the kind of story and overplot is a nice, light, fluffy plot that's inoffensive and it's fun and it's funny. And it's, you know, Ryan Reynolds. But if you look underneath it at the story that's happening at all the stuff, why they happen, there are reasons and they're good reasons and they make sense. And I'm not saying they're perfectly in line with computers. I mean, this is not a computer science manual, but yeah, they make sense. And it's gonna seem like it doesn't make sense right at the beginning, but by the time the movie's over, you're gonna be like, oh, oh, oh. And if you go back and think about it, yeah, it makes sense. 
It's amazing. I don't know that other people are going to get more out of that. Um, are going to get that much out of it as I did by appreciating that, but I really appreciated that. Um, and so that's the big reference, right? The big culture references, Grand Theft Auto Online. If you ever played Grand Theft Auto, just itself, the single player game, you'll get it. And if you ever played Grand Theft Auto Online, you'll really get it. Um, and then uh, there's a couple of smaller references to different things. I mean, he wears a, a you know, they, they they have prizes you can get, right? Like in-game stuff, and that's kind of Fortnite-y. Uh, he, he wears a, he gets a Mega Man costume. Okay, yeah, Mega Man costume. He uses the Mega Man blaster. Okay, at one point he's leveled up and he's got uh, um, like a collection of Marvel gear. <laughs> he gets the big Hulk arm for a rage attack. He, he can use uh, a lightsaber and a, a Captain America shield for a defense. And we've got a great little cameo with Chris, uh, not Chris Pratt, but the other Chris. No, Chris I mean the other other Chris. Chris Evans, yeah. The third Chris who's in the Marvel movies. Chris Cross. Um, uh, but anyway, see, uh, you know, he pulls out the Captain America shield. And I've got a little cute cameo with Chris Evans there uh, that they spoiled in the uh, trailers. That was funny. Um, but yeah, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. It's an enjoyable movie. Uh, I don't mean to demean it by comparing it to Peeps, but I will be honest, it, it's not a movie that's designed to stay with you. You see it, you enjoy it, you move on. Um, but it is enjoyable, and it's not trash. It's not something they just threw at the wall just because. They bothered to think it through. They actually did the work. Uh, and that's what I think is most impressive, is you got to admire you got to admire the hustle and they hustled to make this a decent script, a decent story, excuse me, that they made into a script. So, yeah, I, that's the guy. I'm heartened to hear that because I, I was, I was turned off by the, uh, you know, the references and, and the fourth wall breaking typical of Ryan Reynolds in the trailer. But I mean, there's, there's basically two types of movies that are really good and, and movies in the end, you know, they're just disposable entertainment. If a movie, if someone comes in and knows that it's disposable entertainment, brings in a good story or an adequate story and has some fun and jokes along the way and you enjoy it for those couple hours and then you walk away and forget it all, that's all right. Not every movie has to be, has to go into your collection to watch every other year or so, right? Right. Uh, sometimes they are just disposable entertainment and, and because they're disposable entertainment, they don't have to be crap. And we've watched so much crap, so much poorly written crap that, um, I am, I am pleased to hear that one of those movies that looks like it's going to be one of those crap movies actually was well-made to be a, you know, a genuinely entertaining, uh, piece of inter, uh, you know, piece of film. And so I'm glad. And it's actually heartwarming in a couple of places. A little bit sentimental in a couple of places. Uh, not overly sentimental. It doesn't you doesn't get schmaltzy, at least in my opinion. I mean, but yeah, it's not harsh and cynical. You know, harsh and cynical people they won't like it. Um, which is interesting given the casting because 
Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, Ryan Reynolds really excels in those winking. Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah, he's winking at the camera. He's always breaking the fourth wall. He doesn't take anything seriously. Uh, and if you've ever seen him in his more serious roles, it's not a good fit. Uh, I, I saw a really uh, interesting movie with him where he, he, it was actually just him in the movie. It was him buried. He was buried alive and all he had was a cell phone. So it was just, it was like a one man play. Yeah. And it was definitely interesting and entertaining enough to watch it all the way through. But I would say that's not his strength. His strength, Deadpool is his strength. He, the man is Deadpool incarnate. Uh, and so I'm surprised to hear that it was sincere and sentimental with him in it. What would you say so, was his? What would you say was his contribution to that as an actor, or or was it? Uh, did he pull that off, or was it uh, uh, support from everybody else, including the script, or something completely different? I he pulled it off. I don't know. I mean, he cool. really honestly pulled it off. Um, and it may be because Guy is. The character's name is Guy. He's got a name tag. It says Guy on it because he's an NPC in Grand Theft Auto Online. And if they're going to stick a name tag on somebody, they're just going to name him Guy. What else are they going to name him? He's just some guy. Um, when he wakes up, right, and he becomes kind of self-aware, um, he's really naive, right? He doesn't know what's going on. And so he's very, very sincere. And this uh, other, this player, real human player says to him, you need to be at least level 100 before I'll even talk to you. And he just says, really? And she says, yes. And he says, <laughs> okay. And so he walks off and starts leveling up. <laughs> So it's not just like sincerity. It's not sincerity like you would get from a real person. It's sincerity like you would get from a completely oblivious person. And he goes out and just starts leveling up. And the scenes of him leveling up are absurdly hilarious. Um, and I would recommend the movie. I mean, I would actually recommend the movie because it's funny and it's entertaining. Um, and the way they integrate power-ups into, uh, into how Guy uses them and how players use them, the way they integrate how monumentally psychopathic most people are in online games <laughs> right. is, is awesome. And I'm not criticizing that behavior. Um, I'm not saying you're bad people for being psychopaths in, you know, Grand Theft Auto Online or whatever. But, man, it's hilarious to watch from, you know, kind of the other side. Uh, I just, I would recommend the movie. It was fun. Uh, and I, there's just not a lot of movies you can get that are just fun. Um, and... I will be perfectly straightforward and honest. 
Taika Waititi bugged the hell out of me, but he's playing a character who is supposed to bug the hell out of you. And so that was fine. You're supposed to hate him. So I was okay with that. Um, let's jump to the next one though. Yeah, let's oh, move on. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I had this planned out. Um, so in that movie where he was in the box, which I have seen, they dug him out and it turns out he's in the middle of the desert. Desert. Uh, Dune, Arrakis, desert planet. Dune. The latest attempt, 2021. So you said that we were going to be like at odds over this movie. Yeah. Um, I've I bet since... you didn't think I would remember that. I didn't. I didn't remember it for one. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, even though I'm not on Twitter, every once in a while, I pop in to see how my buddies are doing. Uh, what I can do without having an account. And uh, I saw that you really, really liked it. So if that is, if that is still your opinion, I, I don't think we're going to see eye to eye on this one. Um, I like the movie. I watched it twice. Um, because once I watched it, I, I didn't have a TV around. I could only watch it on a iPad. And I caught that the first weekend it was out, right? When all the uh, Bulwark boys were telling people they needed to go see it in IMAX. And I wanted to go see it in IMAX. I still do, but uh, I don't know that that's ever going to happen. Um, but I watch it on my iPad. And then uh, I watch it on a smaller, bigger flat screen. Bigger than the iPad, smaller than what you'd consider a big flat screen. So, yeah. And, and I watch it the second time. And I'm like, yeah, this is actually a quality movie. I just wanted to, you know, check to see... And it was several weeks later, so, you know, I had time to let it breathe, just to think about it and let it breathe. Um, it's a different sort of movie than you'd expect that I would like. How so? It's a lot slower than you'd think I would tend to enjoy. That's one of the things about Dune, isn't it? Uh, that the problem why people so many people call it unfilmable is because it's so slow and it's it's got all the story has all sorts of time skips in it well i'm just talking about the the shots in the movie um villeneuve lets them linger right and some people were getting upset about that this is just waste of time uh that so, that i'm with uh, that i'm with you on i i really enjoyed that uh, we've been we've always been anti quick cuts here on the Gab. I don't think that's changed. Uh, it's it's nice to have some beautiful shots every now and then. It, it gives you a feeling of. Well, see, here's the thing about the about Dune. It is Dune. It is a desert planet, and part of the feel of the desert is that vast, empty desolation. Right. Hmm where yeah there's fremen out there scattered around this huge planet and there's massive sandworms but even all these massive sandworms are scattered around this huge planet and so you really have to give people that sense of vast emptiness and desolation 
And I don't know how you do that other than lingering on shots just long enough to make you feel that that scenery, you know, sand dunes and badlands and things like that. That's what really drives that home. There's nothing here. There's nothing right. here. There's no roads. There's no cities. There's no nothing. And that is what builds up the stakes. So when people crash in the desert or when, you know, uh, the, the spice miners are having problems, that's what builds up the stakes because there's nobody who's coming to help them. And you know that because he lingered on all those shots. I don't know that's why he did it, but that's that's just something that occurred to me right now. I think that brings me to what I like about the film, which is I did like a lot of the physical shots and the I, I liked just about everything that happened on Arrakis from like a visual point of view. And the unfortunately I, I didn't like a lot of the rest. How do I put this? I'll start from the beginning. I watched it. Unfortunately, I watched it on an iPad as well, but I watched it with uh, my girlfriend and I wanted to explain as much of the background as I knew. I've never read the book and I've never seen the entirety of the 1984 movie, but I've read enough and I know enough Dune fans to know what's going on. I think I did a better job of explaining the background than they did with their opening exposition in the film. Which if if you're not just watching it as eye candy, if you're trying to actually understand what's going on on the screen, that's that's a tall order. And I don't think they quite hit it. The I think the casting was suspect. Uh, I don't like the scrawny kid they got for Paul Atreides. Um, Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I uh, nothing wrong with him. I just. Uh, I'm not sure he was the right guy for that role. Uh, what's his name from Star Wars? Did Duke Leto? I actually liked him. Normally, you get a guy with a lot of gravitas to do that role. He did fine. Yeah, in the last uh, one, they had Jurgen Prock. Now, I mean, how the hell do you? Yeah. The uh, what's what's his mom's name? Jessica. I wasn't. Uh, she was all right. Uh, Jason Momoa was fine. I I guess Josh Brolin phoning it in as the old veteran. Sure. Um, what's her name from Spider Man? Zendaya Mandata. It's sort of a. I'm not sure about her, with her with her California girl, accent. I don't know. Sorry, I'm a little scrambled now. Uh, I just didn't, I didn't like most of the casting. I didn't like most of the cast. The exposition was a little bit awkward, but then once you get into the actual things that are going on. Hmm, how do I put this? I should have written this down. I've had weeks to prepare 
I guess I just planned on coming up and say I didn't like it. Tell me, what did you think about uh, Paul and his mother? I thought they made a couple of weird choices here and there. Uh, just a couple of weird moments that uh, I don't know. I don't even want to talk about. Um, yeah, and speaking of casting, it's you can't beat Sting. So I don't even think that character showed up yet. No, he's not going to show up to the second movie, which I thought was a a mistake. Honestly, I mean, I understand why they didn't want to stick in another character and who really doesn't do anything in this half of the movie. Yeah. Or this half of the story. And doesn't do much of anything in the second half of the story. Um, well, at least in the in the original movie, he doesn't. Um, I, thought, I thought the scenes between mother and son were a little awkward. One of the things that I do like is that of the things they didn't explain well, they didn't explain the weirding and the voice powers very well. They, they had that scene at breakfast, right, where they demonstrated, okay, you know, Paul and his mom can verbally command people. Got it. And so later in the film, like, she's always whispering, and you're sort of straining to hear it against the music, and you're like, well, why, the, why the heck is she always whispering? And then you're like, oh, right. And then they, you know, they play on that in a future scene where she actually gets to use her powers. Um, the scenes between Paul and the warriors, right? That like between him and his father were a little cold and, but him and the warriors were different, you know, Josh Brolin and uh, Aquaman, Jason Momoa. Were they were they meant to be awkward? Let me know. Um, I don't know. Because the question comes down to what did the director mean them to be awkward? And at least as young as he made Paul and, and Kyle McLaughlin as an actor and as a character was a lot older than Timothy Chalamet, hmm. or at least he looked a lot older than Timothy Chalamet. Maybe Timothy Chalamet is just one of those guys who looks young. Um, uh, but is actually, you know, the same age that would not necessarily surprise me. Um, he being younger, or looking younger or playing younger, it may be that he's at that awkward, you know, moving out of his teens phase where he wants to prove himself to his father. Um, whereas his father wants to keep him protected because this isn't like going riding on a dangerous path or skiing on a double x slope or something like excuse me skiing on a double black diamond slope or something this is like harkonnen murder machines uh 
This is like going to the front lines of World War One growing up where there's, you know, meat grinder that just doesn't care about you that you can get chewed up and spit out with without a second thought. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that may have been what Villeneuve was going for. Mm. Um, is he's awkward because he is awkward. He's trying to awkwardly assert himself, maybe for the first time ever. Um, I'm not offering that as a defense of the movie. I'm saying maybe that's what the director was going for. Um, as far as the casting goes, I... I thought that Zendaya was wooden, but she wasn't in enough of it for it to really matter. She didn't seem to have enough. I know the Fremen are reserved anyways, but she seemed to not be reserved, just kind of unresponsive. If there, if you can see the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. Rather than rather than controlling emotion, being emotionless. Right. Um, so I don't know if it's because she's a bad actress. I just found her the most annoying of everything, the most annoying part of everything I've seen her in. <laughs> so I, I really haven't paid that much attention to her. Yeah. Um, and she typically has played characters I haven't liked the, that they exist at all in the Spider-Man movies. And so I haven't paid that much attention to her. She's just kind of there. And I'm mentally, I'm skipping through the scenes to get to, to get back to something I actually want to watch. Mm -hmm. um, sorry. It's a bit of, bit of a thankless job to be Mary Jane in a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> um, but then, uh, Oscar Isaacson, who, who plays the Duke, I thought he did a great job um, with the role. And I have to give him props for that because I didn't want to see him in that role either. Mm -hmm. um, but he did a great job with it. So I guess he managed to win me over because I didn't want to see him in that role. Right. Um, I don't know that I had anybody else better in mind. I just didn't. He just didn't seem in my mind to be uh, a, a good Duke. But then again, everybody in this movie was younger. The Duke was younger. Jessica was younger. Um, Paul was younger. So maybe Villeneuve just made the choice. And I'm, I'm thinking in comparison to the 1984. They were all younger than the 1984 movie. So Villeneuve may have just made the choice to make the family younger. Um, was a valid choice, you know. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. That's not, a, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I can't get angry at that one way or the other. It's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's a way to play it. I'm, I'm okay. Um, I, uh, Stilgar did a good job, did a great job. Um, 
Jason Momoa played Jason Momoa, which is who he usually plays. Yep. I didn't think he was awkward. Is is that what you meant, or? Yeah, I well, I meant that I just didn't really, I didn't feel or appreciate most of the interactions with Paul. I guess, I guess I'm just stuck on, um, I I'm stuck on Paul. I mean, if this guy's going to be your main character, uh, <clears throat> something something about most of those interactions bugged me. Uh, the only one I can think of that really felt natural was the you know his uh, meeting with his father before leaving their home world when they're walking in the tombs yeah um i thought timothy chalamet was he came off as too uh too effeminate for who paul Moadib is supposed to be, but that may have been deliberate on part of the director. Yeah, you've got a point there. He may be starting off young and effeminate and then butching him up when he becomes um, the leader of the Fremen and the warrior and when he conquers Shai Halud and all of that. He may be using Chalamet's looks that kind of irritated me as an emotionally evocative thing to take him from because you got to work that in somehow somehow you have to make him feel like he's the pampered son of who's soft not because he's a bad person not because he hasn't been raised right he's not decadent he's not you know uh he's not spoiled um or jaded or whatever he's just mature and soft and then he becomes the desert you know kind of beats that out of him beats the softness out of him and he becomes the head of this jihad uh that sweeps the galaxy i hope i'm not spoiling a 40 something year old book in a <laughs> no a 60 something year old book in a 40 something year old movie Sorry, if you haven't seen it by now, that's kind of on you. Spoiling a movie that hadn't been released yet. <laughs> um. Well, okay, I mean, before... Be... I found that annoying. I mean, I'm with you. I found that annoying. I didn't like it. I wanted him to be a little bit more masculine, a little bit more, you know, whatever. But he may actually be doing that on purpose. Mm -hmm. And I keep on saying that like it it defends everything i'm not sure that it does but as a director you have to find a way to do that you have to find a way to make the audience feel that sort of subconsciously rather than just giving it to him in a voiceover and he did that in a lot of ways in this movie that i think were about as effective as you could do it um i interrupted please what? No, I was I was going to say, uh, before we continue down this uh, rabbit hole, uh, what's a good way in which something wasn't explained that just, that was just shown? I, I kind of liked the the way they did the, what's that called, the weirding, where the voice con commands, the voice control? Yeah. Where they didn't, they didn't, I mean, they explained it a little too much, but. 
uh, they just opened up with, hey, show me your power. And then later in the film, he uses it or, or she uses it. Was there anything else that comes to mind when you said that? Well, they also had uh, the Reverend Mother Gaius Moheim uh, when she meets with Baron Harkonnen. Um, she also uses the voice on that mm -hmm. spider thing. So they established it uh, a couple of times before they paid it off. Um, now, this something funny really occurred to me is that we just we just said that free guy was just mindless disposable entertainment and they did a really good job with it so what is it about dune that that's making us or me in particular pick it apart i don't know i mean I it think felt it's... unfinished at the end i didn't think that that was a good spot for a climax it didn't feel climactic it didn't did it um It felt like an overly long first episode to a Netflix epic fantasy series. To me. I I would have liked a more dramatic um, a more dramatic conclusion to the movie or at least a, a, a conclusion that felt more whole like the plot had come together more. Like there was a, an internal plot to the first movie that had come together more. Um, I just, I, watching it again, my only thought was I did I do enjoy it and it was really, really well done. Um, I thought Josh Brolin did a great job. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought the actress who played Jessica um, was an example of internal to external. Um, whereas the character in the books is very reserved and because she's a, you know, Benny Jesser and they don't show emotions. Whereas this character showed all her emotions. Um, but then again, how do you show the audience what emotions he's experiencing if she's completely reserved? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't have an entire movie of Vulcans. You've already got all the Fremen being Vulcans. You, you can't make the mom be a Vulcan, and then you can't make Paul become a Vulcan. And it's just, you're playing nothing, I'm playing nothing. It just can't. The, the reason why Leonard Nimoy could be Spock was because William Shatner was Kirk. Kirk was so over the top and emotional that it let Leonard Nimoy play a completely unemotional character for the most part. People forget that that contrast is the only reason why that worked. Um, and that's just some acting dynamics. And that's not me. That's not a half-baked theory. Um, that was Leonard Nimoy himself was talking about that uh, when, when they started reshooting the show with William Shatner, that's why his performance changes so drastically between The Cage and uh, William Shatner's movie because uh, the captain at that time, Captain Christopher Pike, he was playing reserved and emotional, so Spock had to be somewhat emotional to give distance between the characters. 
you just can't have an entire movie of emotionless people. So it wasn't a slight to the character of Jessica. She has to show her emotions. So she, you know, she has emotions and she's also playing off as a contrast against the Reverend mother who has no emotions. Who's just going to kill Paul and not even think twice about it. It makes her seem cold and unsympathetic. If she's just sending her son in to be poisoned and not even think twice about it. Um, I think they set up the Gam Jabbar scene without explaining it beforehand. You knew what it was about. Um, and honestly, I can't remember the other ones because it's been a rough week and I can't remember uh, you know, the things that I thought they set up well. I mean, they set up the carry-all, but those were, you know, those were uh, given explicitly in the books that Paul watched, but those weren't long either. Those weren't long exposition scenes. Those were just very brief moments of exposition. The the video books or the 3D hologram books that he's paying attention to about Arrakis and steel suits and things like that. Uh, so shifting gears, uh, despite all the things that sort of made it awkward, some of them you know, intrinsic to the story itself, uh, you really enjoyed it. So wh what did you really like about it? Or what are some things that were really good? He took, um, he managed to establish the feeling of doom of these great houses who are, who rule entire planets, you know, billions of subjects um, vast, unimaginable wealth and power, and even among the great houses, Atreides and Harkonnen are a step above all the rest. They're even more powerful than all the other great houses, um, which is why the emperor moves against Atreides. You know, and in the numbers and in the size of the spaceships and in he shows you the size of those triangular spaceships. And then he shows you the size of those huge gargantuan triangular spaceships in relationship to the guild highliner in orbit above the planet. And you're just like, nah. you know, there are these tiny little dots coming off this huge um you know round shit and you're just like mother um this formal system of uh fealty and uh nobility and rulership and all of that it's just He makes you feel what this universe should feel like. Grandeur, unmatched grandeur, where humans as individual people are dwarfed 
by the very things they've created, by the buildings and ships they've created. Um, I'll say that that's one of the things that I quite liked about it. Um, the presentation of all the different locations and worlds gives you a feeling of a vast sprawl of humanity spread out amongst totally different worlds and peoples. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, you know, one, one character even says the Harkonnens aren't even human, right? They, they're just so different from the, uh, the Atreides and the, and the Fremen. But the, like the presentation of the Atreides homeworld was so different from the Harkonnens and uh, the internet's favorite, the Sardaukar world, dark, raining, gloomy with some cleric throat singing in the background. Really cool scene. Now those uh, guys sacrificed upside down with blood running off of them. Yeah, absolutely uh, vivid. Uh, there's a couple of nuggets of things I don't like in there. The The interior scenes pretty much all bothered me because uh, you mentioned the pain box scene, which is, you know, it's, it's a famous scene in Dune. Uh, even even the way that she holds the needle, right? They they copied that. But why is why is Grandma Bene Gesserit sitting on a solitary chair inside of this giant chamber, right? Why are you know Paul and uh, and his trainer training in this giant hall, right? The these these even the buildings aren't built for people anymore, and it kind of it took it took away from that. But the exterior scenes and uh, particularly the Sardaukar world and Arrakis were done very vividly. And as you said, you know, you see the desolation on the desert planet. And uh, that's, that's one of the things that I really liked about it. Uh, I agree with you there wholeheartedly. Oh, and uh, I don't care much for animations much, but the ornithopters were cool. <laughs> what can they I say? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So that's the best looking ornithopter I've ever seen. And I've looked at a lot of them uh, for research purposes, but yeah, very well done. I was very that's impressed. Awesome. <laughs> um, I liked how they snuck in a whole second timeline uh, in the movie that makes you really feel for the tragedy of what could have happened, but didn't. Um, just because of one choice by Duncan, uh, set paths off to a different timeline. It taught you what Paul saw that takes paragraphs of exposition in the novel um, about how he sees the future mm. as all these various paths. It, it gives you that without having to explicitly, you know, it's, it's that meme. Say you can see paths in the future or tell me you can see paths in the future without saying you can see paths in the future. Right. Uh, that's what that did. Um, uh, I love that. It's like this entire alternate timeline right there. And if you're paying attention, you realize, oh, this guy could have been his closest friend, could have taught him so much, would have been right there beside him when he landed on Caladan. When he was leader of the Bene Gesserit and got off and was marching across the galaxy, and instead he dies 
right now when Paul first meet him and they never know anything and they he was never his friend he became his enemy and died right then no sorry that was a big ass spoiler I'm sorry but it's been a couple a, months that's a big that's a big spoiler um, uh, what one other thing that I really like and I'm and I'm jumping around because because uh, we've been we're going long that's okay we haven't been doing a show for a month who cares i think it's been longer than a month but sure it's uh i really liked the portrayal of the bene Gesserit. like i i didn't even have to explain oh yeah by the way these these guys have a sinister you know machinations you know they've got their <laughs> own agenda nope they just it's right out there like these they're not just weird nuns these these people have um massive generational power and psychic power and they use it and and yeah. you're not you're not it's not clear what they're up to other than paul was paul was not supposed to happen so yeah i just i enjoyed the movie it's a quality movie it's very well made and i would i would heartily recommend it um doesn't mean everybody's gonna love it uh but i would definitely give it a recommend that with without uh, hesitation or qualifications cool i think uh i think i couldn't if you're looking for disposable entertainment it's not your thing if you're a if you're a sci-fi guy and you really like dune i don't know if it's going to do anything for you more than reading the book or watching the other movies will do but uh if if you want to see some if you want to see someone else's vision see it but I, I can't recommend it otherwise just go on youtube and find clips of the ornithopter and the, the throat chanting on sardaukar that, that's good enough for me i missed that whole beginning of that meme I, I came in not even on that meme i came in on people commenting on the meme which is like you know, that's like the second wave of the meme. I've already missed it. It's already moving out. So I don't <laughs> even know what happened with that. I haven't even seen any of the original memes of the Sardaukar. I, I don't recall which memes I've seen. It just, it, it resonated with, it resonated with a lot of people who aren't otherwise sci-fi fans, like uh, jocks and, and lifters and everything. Like it's a very masculine scene. You know, and, and it's very stark. It stands in stark contrast to the rest of the film. Yeah. And uh, and the inclusion of the the chanting from the, from the cleric there is is really. I don't know. Yeah, it was very very evocative. Um. Yeah, you you go there and you're like, oh, this is no nonsense, serious business. A a a planet of people who are bred to fight as mercenaries it's absolute like if the god of war himself came down and and just made a planet for his people that would be this planet with all the bodies stacked up and everybody training and and whatever um so i think it resonated with people who are like well guess what this is my new lifting music i'm, I'm listening to this on loop at the gym that's where the meme came out. So I don't really want to do a big long review of Ghostbusters. Um, all the normal yeah. people love Ghostbusters. 
Um, it's a well-made movie. There's nothing really super offensive about it. They drop in three lines about fracking in different places, which is going to date the movie terribly. You know, they want to wreck that, fine. The first one's still there. It's still superior to everything else. They do, you know, quote unquote, show a lot of respect for the first movie and say goodbye to Harold Ramis. All these things you've seen, they're true. It's not a bad movie. I don't want to cramp on it like it's a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. It's, it's, it's very, very popular for good reasons and, and normal people like it and I applaud them. It's good for them to go and see it. And I like a lot of it. I just started about halfway through the movie to hate it. And it wasn't even because of what's in the movie. It wasn't because the characters were bad. It wasn't because the dialogue was bad. It wasn't because they hated me or that the jokes were bad. It's because every single scene was, and maybe they were just gun shy after 2016. Where 2016 was built entirely on anti-nostalgia, right? Mm-hmm. Every single scene in that movie was based on giving the finger to people who loved the first movie. Every single scene in this movie is giving uh, is based on giving a big thumbs up to people who loved the first movie. Every single scene. In what way? Just just like a nostalgic reference or something? Or a callback joke? Monster attacks. Uh, and it's, you know, and I'm, I'm not giving anything away because this was a scene that they showed uh, in one of the previews. And it's not big Stay Puft Marshall men. It's a little Stay Puft Marshall men that come out of bags of Stay Puft Marshmallows. <laughs> Nostalgia. They find the Ecto-1 and drive around in it. Nostalgia. Um, you know, it's the Evo Shandor mine. It's nostalgia for the first movie. He got the cold riveted selenium cord girders for the building in New York from this mine in, in uh, uh, you know, nowhere middle of nowhere it's, it's nostalgia it's every scene in the movie is based off of nostalgia and i i don't want to give away more than i already do but it's every scene literally just a nostalgia trip yeah people get thrown in jail at one point not for any real good reason necessarily but you know who else got thrown in jail oh the ghostbusters the ghostbusters in the first movie got thrown in jail you know it's almost red letter media i recognize that i get that reference 
The only reference that wasn't nostalgia for Ghostbusters was nostalgia for Better Off Dead. I don't know who remembers Better Off Dead. I don't. But at one... What? I don't. <laughs> at one point, Lane, who's pulls up in his car. Uh, it's John Cusack, right? And it's two guys, these two foreign exchange students pull up next to him. And Lane turns and says to the camera, you know, these two guys, one of them doesn't speak English. The other one only speaks wide world of sports because he only talks like Howard Cosell. That's the only English he knows. That's how he learned English, was watching the wide world of sports. And so he starts talking directly to Lane in using a microphone and a speaker to talk directly to this other person, supposedly in real life. Here we have a defeated competitor. My throat's hashed and I can't do Howard Cosell anyway. But those of you who have seen Better Off Dead, you know what I'm talking about. Literally, in this movie, they have an Asian kid with a microphone. Oh, these are two Japanese boys. I should mention that in Better Off Dead. Asian kid, microphone, speakers, sits next to one of the main characters, Egon's granddaughter, and starts talking to her. And for a second or two, I, I didn't get it. I was like, wait a minute. I got this dawning dread, like this familiarity. And then I realized that's better off dead. I've seen that before. So yeah. Um, the kid calls himself podcast because he lifts weight a lot. Lifts weights a lot, goes to the gym, really muscular. No, no, he calls himself podcast because he makes a podcast. Um, uh -huh. Makes a podcast about weird, ghostly things. So, I don't know. I started to hate all the nostalgia because it felt like they were projectile vomiting nostalgia at me. Uh, it felt like they were projectile vomiting pandering at me. And nobody likes to be pandered to. I like being respected, you know? Mm -hmm. They're not actively insulting or spitting on the original. They're not actively peeing all over the original. They're not actually, you know, tying it down and crapping on it. But... This was just pandering. And maybe it's because I was in a bad mood. Maybe it's because I was a little bit sick. Maybe it's because, you know, I'm a grumpy old man. I don't know. But I started to hate the movie for all the pandering it was doing. And it's not bad. It's not a bad movie. And all the normal people who like Ghostbusters like this movie. So I'm not saying don't go see it. I'm not saying you won't like it. This is just a very, very personal reaction to it. It made me start to hate things about 
three fourths of the way through or a third of the two thirds of the way through. Just got this sudden hatred for all the nostalgia and pandering. I'm like, come on, surely you guys could have gone original with something. I mean, here's one thing, though, they didn't do. You'd expect them to do. Slimer didn't show up. Really? Yeah. I would have expected that cameo. Yeah. You know, you would have expected Slimer to come flying across the screen and turn and look and mug for the camera and hold up his thumb and smile and, you know, have the Ghostbusters jump out like the originals, jump out and say, see, he's in the movie. No, Slimer doesn't show up. So that's positive. That's restraint, right? Um, but yeah. I mean, they didn't want to go after the low-hanging fruit, DW. They, they just, you know, they went for the really subtle references like Ecto-1 and Proton Packs. Really fine. You have to have proton packs in a in a Ghostbusters movie. I get it, you know, because you're catching ghosts and you use the proton packs. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. And at least they tried to do interesting things with a lot of them, you know, because they had a in the original Ecto One, they actually had a jump seat built to where you could pop out the side and shoot at a ghost while the car was driving. They never used it in the movie, but apparently it was built in. And in this movie, they use it. Okay, I mean, that was in a trailer too, so I'm not giving anything away with that either. That's fine. I mean, they actually, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man didn't show up in giant form and stomp a city flat. Okay, you know, they're not directly copying it. I'm not saying they just photocopied whole things. They actually thought about it and put them in. I'm really not trying to make it seem worse than it is. And maybe I have, but still. Well, here, here's the thing that's bothering me. And, and here's my ultimate question, which is you have talked about stuff that went well, you liked, didn't like, and so on and so forth. But remember, the original Ghostbusters movie was just a really well-written comedy. And yeah. how does Ghostbusters Afterlife work just as a comedy, as a movie. Is it, it even is, a comedy? It is a comedy, and it's an okay movie. And I don't mean okay in the sense of, oh, I guess it's okay, when, by which you mean it's really mostly bad. It's not mostly bad. It's a decent comedy. Um, like the, the, the jokes land, uh, they're generally yeah. genuinely funny. Genuinely funny, you know, most of the jokes land. It's, it's, it's a comedy. Um, it's not as good as Ghostbusters. No, it couldn't um, be. Couldn't be. The, the writer's not around anymore. Yeah, but uh, it's not a bad comedy. I mean, it's not a comedy that makes me want to physically hurt people. Like, you know, 2016 Adam was just... <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen some <clears throat> bad Sandler movies. 2016 was... The 2016 Ghostbusters was just not funny. Nothing in that movie was funny. And... It's not that the material couldn't have been funny if they had structured it right and gotten timing and you know editing and stuff, but yeah, yeah. Ghostbusters twenty Ghostbusters twenty sixteen was let's 
hey, Bridesmaid was a smashing success. Let's just have Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig improv for two hours, and it's going to be funny, right? It has to be funny. Those two are funny. And, and, instead, of, instead of actually writing a proper comedy. Yeah. So... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, but many, the nostalgia people, really rubbed you the wrong way. It sounds like it just—it just got to be too much at some point. I'm like, I admit it's a minority position, um, but yeah, it rubbed me the wrong way. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a really idiosyncratic response from me, and I was, you know. It may have just been the day I saw it. I've had movies that have gone like that. Like the first time I saw them, something just hit me wrong about the movie that day. And I ended up hating them. And then I saw them later and I'm like, oh, actually this movie's a lot better than I thought it was. Okay. So this may be just me having had a bad day when I saw the movie. Having had a bad day with this specific movie. But yeah. All the nostalgia just, I was just like, can't we do something else besides nostalgia. We get it. You like Ghostbusters and you like Ghostbusters fans and you're not trying to crap on it like those other guys were. I appreciate it. I do. I really, really do. Now let's do something interesting with it. I mean, you got little kids and they're doing the Ghostbusting. So let's do something interesting with that. You know, the ghost under the bed, the boogeyman. Come on. Let's do something interesting with the fact that they're little kids. Well, that's a that's a stunning endorsement, a, a resounding, resounding thumbs somewhere. From Danny everybody Martin. liked it, but me, and that may have just been me on a bad day. On the other hand, in six months, I may come back and say, "Yeah, I was right." <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you. Well, I, I don't have anything more to add. I I might Didn't go see, see it. Just, I might go see I might go see it just to get out to the theater and have a normal human interaction. Did they let you guys not wear masks? Yeah, I heard that. We uh, masks are still uh, everywhere here in Western Washington. Uh, we're we're in the in between stage where most people are still wearing them, but. Uh, if you go into a place, they have a sign up that says masks are required, but nobody hassles you, whether you're wearing one or not. Nice. So it's normal-ish. It's still weird. I could do a whole other hour on 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 topics that are not permitted on the Geek Gab, if you want to get me started. Um. We're done, aren't we? I mean, way over time. Way over time. Way done. But, well, I'm I'm glad you got a chance to see it. Uh, let's see, we talked about Free Guy, and you really like that. That was a good comedy. Uh, fun, disposable entertainment. Popcorn, walk away, forget it. Uh, Dune, trying to be a sci-fi epic. You really liked it. You, you if I can, if if I can be so bold as to summarize, you really enjoyed the filmmaking and the technological aspects to it. Neither of us were particularly fond of the 
acting or the direction of those actors. Um, but you would recommend it for sure. Yes. And uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife is a, is a nonstop nostalgia train that you might like or it might just turn you off. Yes. And, and it's not a bad movie. That's why, you know, I hate to come with you with nothing but bad news because it's not a bad movie. It doesn't deserve me beating it up for 20 minutes. Uh, if you had never but, seen Ghostbusters, though, would it be a funny movie? If you had no idea what Ghostbusters were? It would have been really odd because I would have wondered what the hell they were talking about. Mm. Yeah. I want to find. It, I want to know the same thing about Dune. I want to know the same thing about Dune because millions of people have no idea about Dune. And so as someone who hasn't seen Ghostbusters, does Afterlife make any sense? If you don't know anything about Dune, which is actually more often the case than not, does the movie make any sense or is it entertaining at all? I, I couldn't say. Yeah. I mean, I've read uh, Dune three or four times and I've seen the movie, the original movie, four or five times. I'm in between, yeah. I, but uh, my girlfriend had never seen it. She really enjoyed Dune, for what it's worth. Uh, the the characters and the action and and the you know the ornithopters and all the sandworm stuff. Yeah, she liked she liked that. But mm. the war pig family, like my sisters, my brother, my brother in laws, the kids, they all loved Ghostbusters. They thought it was a righteous flick. Cool. Well, then it's it's probably it probably hits the target that they were aiming at. Yeah. Um. All right. Do you wanna do you wanna start the fade? Oh my goodness! I forgot. I already forgot how we end the show. Listen, <laughs> uh, it's been so much fun getting back talking with you. Uh, we haven't even talked much. Uh, the two of us in the past. Uh, six or so weeks so i'm happy to be back on the show with you i don't know what the rest of the year is going to look like because of holidays and such but uh, we'll see you guys again soon big thanks to everybody who showed up live as sort of a last minute thing and i'm happy to see everybody uh talking about we were talking about all the books and movies and everything in the chat today uh i really appreciate you guys and i hope everybody listening later enjoyed the banter and the reviews of the stuff we watched uh so that's it for me just to wrap it up thanks so much for uh hanging out with me this saturday daddy Warpig. always a pleasure i hope everybody has a great day and if we don't see you till next year have a wonderful christmas season later um yeah i want to thank everyone who came and listened live participated in the chat had a a glorious and vibrant chat. Uh, people dropping in and uh, uh, talking about all kinds of stuff. Um, this is Geek Gab. We're here just about every week. Honest, the last few weeks, notwithstanding, just about this time. Um, and you can catch us uh, to catch us live. YouTube.com/slash/GeekGab. YouTube.com/slash/GeekGab. Or you can catch us on. Uh, the Google Play Store, Apple iTunes Store, or SoundCloud.com. Listen to us on the device of your choice. We are signing out for today. 
But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.